Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. The necessity of prayer in our lives. It's what opens up the floodgates for God to come down and be involved in our everyday circumstances. To win any battle, You've got to have the right strategy and the right resources. But oftentimes, when it comes to prayer, it's a wish to the wind. A lot of people don't pray because they don't believe it works. But unfortunately, it doesn't work because we don't really pray. God calls us to a much deeper level of faith. He has us fight not human flesh and blood, but fight the war that is in the heavenlies. That can only happen from our knees. This movie is about a husband and a wife who have a marriage that's hanging on by a thread. There's one thing we do well, it's fight. I'm just tired of her nagging me. All right, I just don't need that. I don't need her junk, Mike. And an older, wiser woman comes into this young wife's life and shows her how powerful a weapon prayer can be in helping to keep her family intact. And this movie makes you take a look at that. And I think it encourages and inspires people that God has the answer through prayer of how to live this life, how to deal with other people how to live out your purpose. We will see an explosion of the presence of God as a result of the prayers of his people. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your inner room, in your secret place. We seek God first before going to war, if you will. You need to do your fighting in prayer. And you need to kick the real enemy out of your home with the word. It's time for you to fight a little better. It's time for you to take off the gloves and do it. I appreciate you coming this morning. Coffee will be ready in a couple of minutes. Oh, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Now, I ran a sales report from the area. Wrote down a suggested asking price for the house. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Now, what did you say your husband did for a living? Um, well, we actually haven't talked about that, but he's a sales rep for Brightwell Pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And uh, where did you say you attended church? Well, we occasionally attend Riverdale Community. Mm-hmm. So you would say you know the Lord? Yes, I would say I know the Lord. You think the Lord is okay with this asking price? Mm-hmm. And you have children? Miss Clara, my husband Tony and I have been married for 16 years. We have one daughter, her name is Danielle, and she's 10. She enjoys pop music and ice cream and jumping rope. Oh, well, that, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Now, you say you attend church occasionally. Is that because your pastor only preaches occasionally? Miss Clara, I really would like to help you sell your house. That's why I'm here. As far as my faith is concerned, I believe in God, just like most people. He's very important to me. Mm-hmm. Well, let me get our coffee. So if I asked you what your prayer life was like, would you say that it was hot or cold? I don't know that I would say it's hot. I mean, we're like most people. We have full schedules. We work. 
But I, I would consider myself a spiritual person. I'm not hot, but I'm not cold either. Just, you know, somewhere in the middle. Here you go. I've got cream of sugar if you need Oh, it. no, thank you. I like it black. Miss Clara, you like your coffee room temperature? No, baby, mine's hot. <laughs> oh, yes. Welcome to church, everybody. My name's Brad, and I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you very much, Jess. And uh, if you're uh, here for the first time, you've just walked into a series called Cinema Sundays, where we're looking at different movies and getting some messages from the movies, and that one's called War Room. And that's what we're going to be speaking on this morning, on War Room. When it comes to your prayer life, is it hot or is it cold? <laughs> Challenging thought. Uh, before I get into um, the word, just I forgot one announcement to tell Brian, it's my fault. Um, does anybody here consider themselves a strong young man? You've got some hands. You're volunteering for something, by the way. <laughs> Laszlo, you're volunteering for something. Um, no, um, as you know, um, Esther House, which, uh, which um, isn't Esther House anymore, so Irenian House is just up the, uh, in our front door, really. And just very recently, that's why it's uh, letting you know now, I just asked for a little bit of help with some labour in lifting about half an hour's worth of labour for two or three uh, fit young people. So if, you would, if you're interested in helping after four during this week, one of the days, we're going to go and just serve them and bless them um, and just to be a help to, the, to, to them. So if you're available, can you come and see me after church? Um, I'd love two or three uh, fit men, don't have to be young, just strong, and come and do that. That'll be great. Uh, also, we want to just acknowledge uh, Luke Winter. He's preaching at Chidlow today again. He got, he, you, know, you know you do well when they invite you back, don't you? So he's at Chidlow Community Church, and he's doing really well, because actually next week he's speaking here on a movie, which I'm just guessing will be Star Wars, knowing Luke from what I'm told, but we don't, act, don't have confirmation. Lord of the Rings, so it'll be... <laughs> Let me pray. Father, we just do want to thank you so much that we can be in your house and with your people and Lord, I just want to pray for every person here, maybe people here that uh, don't even know you, Lord, don't follow you, we're so glad they're here. And Lord, would you make yourself real to them, Jesus? Lord, as we look at this movie, War Room, would you speak something of spiritual substance and significance that brings transformation into our lives this morning, that it wouldn't be my words, but something from you. And I ask that in faith, in Jesus' name, amen. I mean, I, I, I hadn't seen this. I've been meaning to watch this movie, War Room, and I finally... Who, who has seen it, by the way? With your hands, quite a few. If you haven't seen it, it's a, it's a fantastic and a worthwhile watching it with your family. We watched it with our family. Just make sure you've got a tissue box ready uh, for... Even, even I had to shed a few tears. Uh, and it's about this family that, you know, their marriage is just uh, on, on the last sort of thread... And he's so busy at work that he's so occupied with other things as the husband. And, and she's getting bitter because of how much he's uh, not connecting to her. And they've got a daughter who's getting just left out. And, every, and, and, and the, the wife, she runs into, as she said, that, that older lady who introduces her to what she calls her, her war room. Uh, because for any battle, you've got to prepare first. And, and what her war room was, was she takes her and shows her her house because she's selling her house. And she so shows her, her her prayer closet, a place that she would go and she would pray every day. And she just uh, was able then to invest and impart into this uh, young wife and mother's life. And in this journey 
got her to discover the power of prayer, not just the power of microwave prayers where you put it in and press a button and hope it to come out quick, but the power of prevailing prayer, the power of persistent prayer, the power of not giving up and getting in your prayer closet. And she taught this young lady, and the, the, the um, movie is so powerful, how God goes to fight for her family, goes to fight for her marriage. God goes to fight for them uh, in, a, in a supernatural way, not because she's fighting, but because she's praying. See, the posture of prayer is the platform for victory in your life. It's not the attack, it's not going out in brute force and brute strength, but it's actually a reliance and trust posture and having a prayer closet. Uh, Jesus taught about this. He said, when you pray, he said, don't be like those that do it like show ponies. But he said, have a place where you go and pray in secret. And he made a promise. He says, when you pray in secret, when you build a private history with God, when you build a relationship with God and you communicate and talk with God and you do that, he said, in secret, I will reward you openly. In other words, what happens in private will be evidenced in public, is that he is looking to bless every part of your life, but he wants you to have an intimate, ongoing, persistent prayer life with him. That's what I got out of the movie. So go home and watch it, and we'll all say amen now, and uh, make sure you watch it. But I want to encourage us that prayer is the power on earth that moves the power in heaven. Prayer is God saying, if you will, I will. Prayer is not manipulation to say, hey, God, I've prayed. You've got to do this. Prayer is the posture of taking God at his word and believing and trusting him and just staying put in prayer. Uh, I like what Billy Graham said. He said, heaven is full of answers to prayers. You can go to my next slide. I think it's on there. Heaven is full of answers to prayers for which nobody even bothered to ask. We all need a war room in our life. That's where the battle is won in trusting in prayer. You know, the Bible says, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. All you've got to do is cast them on the Lord. So that's our prayer room. That's our place of prayer. I find it interesting in Luke 11 when Jesus, it says um, one day when Jesus was praying in a certain place. Notice he was praying in a certain place. Jesus had a place of prayer in his life. Jesus often withdrew from the busyness, often withdrew from the crowds to be with his Father. My thought is, if Jesus had to do it, how much more, Brad? How much more, us? And then it says, as he's praying, it says this, when he finished praying, so notice they didn't disturb him. You wouldn't disturb Jesus while he's praying. They were watching him pray. pray. It says, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Of all the things I could ask Jesus, I would be like, Jesus, teach me to walk on water. Teach me to turn water. Teach me. Teach me. But no, what they said, the thing we want you to teach us, when they looked at Jesus, they saw something amazing about how he prayed, about how he persisted, about how he relied on his heavenly Father, and that got their attention. It says in Hebrews 5, 7, my next scripture, it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and catches petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. 
a powerful sentence on the prayer life of Jesus that you don't often think of this, do you? You don't often step into it and think, man, Jesus prayed with cries, with tears, with passion. And he persisted in prayer. It was, it was part of everything he needed to do was connected back to his relationship with his father. And so it is for us to persist in prayer is so important. Jesus was a man of regular, consistent, persistent prayer. You know, prayer is our spiritual breath. It's what keeps us alive. Imagine a marriage where you never talk to one another. Now, don't imagine it for too long. You might think, gee, that'll actually go. But imagine it is reliant on communication. And our relationship with God is, it's all communication. And I've had people say to me, Brad, I just, I don't like praying in public or praying for other people. I'm just very uncomfortable with that. And I understand we're all on a journey, but can I give you a big bit of encouragement that really helped me in this area? Is if you will learn to pray in private and to pray for yourself first, just focus on that, you will naturally get bolder and more confident to pray in public and to pray for other people. And God wants you to be a prayer warrior. God wants you to be travailing and prevailing in prayer. And it starts with that prayer room that you develop, that prayer life that you have that's intimate with God. Prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Amen? Oftentimes when we get some news, I understand doctors and medicine, we need that for sure. We don't downplay that. But our first response to anything should be to God. It is our prayer life. Our first thing out of our mouth should be a trust and a faith in God before anything else. We developed a little saying in our house when the kids were much younger uh, to brainwash them. And the, the saying, I don't know if you brainwash your kids, but I'm trying all my best that I can. Uh, my nana once used to say to me when my parents became Christians and we'd go and have afternoon tea at Nana's, what's the rubbish your parents are teaching you? You know they're just brainwashing you. I said, Nana, you should see my brain. It needs some washing. And, we try to, and we've got this little saying that we develop, which is uh, before we get off to start the day, whether it's uh, sometimes in the car, whether it's in the house, we have a saying where I, me or Sky will often go, what's the first thing we do every day? And they'll all scream back, pray! Or sometimes as they get older, they get a bit cheeky and say things like, open your eyes, breathe! I know that. And we pray. And I remember one time I was going on a Sunday morning, it was about nearly 10 years ago, driving to church. And uh, hadn't had the best start to the morning. I can't remember whether Sky wasn't behaving herself or the kids or who it was, but uh, people were making me quite frustrated and angry. And so it was one of them, you know, I know you never have this morning on a Sunday where it's really frustrating and hard to get here. And, and you know, they started at 10 o'clock where this church was. I had an extra hour to get happy and I still wasn't happy. And we're, we're driving in the car and, and we're just, I'm angry and Blaze could see my frustration even as a five-year-old. He looks up and he goes, hey, Dad. I said, what? What's the first thing we do every day? <laughs> right, pray. And it sets the tone. It, sets the st- it should be the first thing for our day. It should be the first thing for our week. It should be the first thing on our hearts. In fact, you will notice if you come to church, if you get here before nine, uh, and I just really uh, I just want to shout out, thank you, worship team and, and people on the media and coffee that get here so early uh, and commit that time Sunday morning. And you'll notice that when we get here, we like to have a debrief of what's happening for the service, but then we pray as a team. And what we really would love to develop is that if you do get here early by accident or something, you get here early, 
You are welcome to come down to the front and just join the circle. Just come. We'd love to, you know, at quarter to nine, we'd love to see this place just filled with prayer, just praying for the service. Just You don't have to be anything special to just come and pray. You just got to be breathing. We'd love to have you and just be a part of it. What, what, what would happen if we started to gather just a bit earlier and said, Lord, you first. What, what, what could you do today? If, if we pray, Lord, what will you move? We're praying and asking and believing for a move of God. So I want to invite you personally. Come and join us in prayer. Uh, come early, come at, uh, and we'll try, the worship team will do their best to try and have everything wrapped up so we can pray at quarter two early. Does that sound good? Very good. I heard the story of a little boy who was kneeling beside his bed with his mother and his grandmother, and they were softly saying their prayers, and his praise, he says, Dear God, please bless mummy and daddy and all the family. Please give us a good night's sleep. Suddenly, he looked up and he shouted, And don't forget to give me a bicycle for my birthday. And then his mum looked at him and said, look, there's no need to shout. God isn't deaf. The little boy said, no, but grandma is. <laughs> Have you ever wondered, does God hear my prayers? And what I'm about to teach us just from some war room prayers in the scripture, I don't want you to get the wrong impression that prayer, like fasting or seeking God, it's not manipulating God. But God really does honour the effectual, fervent prayer of a person that's right with God in a relationship with him. So I want to encourage you and stir you for your war room because we see in Scripture believers that had war rooms. And one of them was this uh, widow in our text, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. So if you've got your scrolls, go there, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. I'm going to read this Scripture about what is called a parable about the persistent widow. And then I'm just going to encourage us with a few prayer War room prayers that will uh, encourage us, I believe. It says this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That's the purpose of this parable. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about people or what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. Imagine this woman, she's in the town and she's been hard done by and she's got the raw end of the deal and she is not happy. She is fired up and she is not going to give up. And she's going to this unjust, ungodly judge and he's not giving her any um, justice at all. And it just makes her more fired up for what the, the wrongs that happen. It said, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, will he, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Uh, I used to read this and think that, uh, you know, in parables, obviously, we are like the widow uh, and God's like the unjust judge and it just never sat with me. And that's because God is not like the unjust judge. Uh, this isn't a, a parable of representation, whereas other ones, like the prodigal son, where it represents God, but rather this is a parable of contrast. And, and this woman that keeps, uh, keeps on going after this um, unjust judge, God is making a statement here and he's saying, I'm a loving father. 
contrast this, how much I love you, this, even this unjust, ungodly judge, even he who gets persistently bombarded by this woman, sending email after email, sending text after text, Facebook stalking him, just going, even the unjust, ungodly judge, how much more a father who loves you will look after you when you pray and don't give up to him? That's what it's saying. If you don't give up and keep praying, I love you. Don't, I'm, not a ju- I'm not even anything like that. He delights in answering prayers. He delights in seeing our reliance on him. Jesus is saying persistence in prayer gets God's attention. A war room prayer. So give me, let me give you a few. First, I think, of a, and I think they're on the screen as I go one by one, is Cornelius. Cornelius, it says that he was a man in Acts 10, and uh, an angel came to him and he said this, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Isn't that a powerful thing, this memorial offering? I just think of it as like these prayers coming before God, a bit like Jacob's ladder with the angels ascending and descending and carrying up prayers and and carrying them up. And Cornelius is making these prayers and, and this angel says, I just want you to know when you pray, man, your prayer life is like something that God can't get around. It's like as soon as he steps off the front throne and the first thing he's got, Cornelius' prayer life right there and he can't get around it. He's saying, that's what a prayer, war room prayer looks like. It's consistent. It's persistent. Um, God loves that kind of faith and trust. Again, this isn't about works and that you have to be in a prayer closet. It's not about time and hours. It's not about how much you pray. Have you done it for a certain amount of time? It's about a heart posture that relies on God. But I think if you, we could probably all say, hey, if you were to say, um, you know, and we won't do a show of hands, is my prayer life hot? Is my prayer life cold? Am I in the middle? Whatever there. All of us would say, hey, I would love to be more connected and more intimate with my Heavenly Father. In fact, some of us could probably go further and say, it needs to become more of, more of a priority in my life today. I need to not put it on the back burner anymore. Abraham. What about Abraham. In the story in Genesis 18, God reveals to Abraham that he's going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. And there's this interesting conversation that Abraham starts having with God and his heart for that place of Sodom and Gomorrah. And also knowing that his nephew Lot is in that city, he says to God, God, surely you won't wipe out that that ungodly city because what if there's righteous people there? And he's like starts this prayer war room prayer with God and he says God like what if there's 50 righteous people there surely you would not wipe out a whole city if there's 50 righteous and God says no I won't if there's 50 does he say yeah he says says, for 50 and what he does is but God what if there's only 40 righteous people there would you wipe it out what if there's and he barters with God saying God don't wipe it out and he gets all the way down what if there's just 10 righteous people there and it's like he's prevailing in prayer anyway you know the story God wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham's nephew Lot got out before he did but what I love is this scripture that caught my attention in Genesis 29. It doesn't say God remembered how righteous Lot was. It doesn't say God remembered how, how his family was. It says, so when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham. I love that. He remembered the one he had the covenant with. He remembered that and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities that Lot had 
lived. I just want to encourage us today, don't give up on people. Don't stop praying. You might have family members, people in a spiritual Sodom and Gomorrah, and you're praying for them. And I believe as we pray and we persist and we continue to plead the blood over them, that there's a hedge of protection around them, that you're just persisting in prayer and that God is going to bring about a deliverance for these people that we continually bring before him. That we don't stop. We bombard heaven with these prayers for our loved ones and don't give up. A little bit like another guy called Daniel. You know, the thing that Daniel's enemies hated about him, the only thing they could say about Daniel, is he prays too much. We don't like his prayer life. And um, so much so that in Daniel, the story is that they got the king to make a decree. And uh, anybody who's caught not praying to him but to other gods like Daniel was, would be thrown into the lion's den if you get caught praying to another god. What I want to tell you about this story that I love is that Daniel's prayer life did not change before or after the decree. He had this routine, he had this persistent war room where the Bible says he three times a day, he would get down on his knees and he would pray three times a day, consistent, persistent. And then when the adversity and the trouble came, he didn't change a thing. He just prayed three times a day the same way he'd always prayed. Some of us, some of us, we're just one phone call away from an amazing prayer life. <laughs> Sometimes it takes that tragedy, catastrophe, and I'm preaching to myself, and suddenly, man, I'm a real prayer warrior now. But Daniel was consistent and persistent no matter what was going on, whether the bills were paid or not, whether the kids were healthy or not, whether everything was happy and chappy, it was, he still prayed and relied on God in the good times and the bad times. And that is war room prayer. Because you are ready for no matter what's come. That's preparing for the battle no matter what is to come. And don't you think at the end of the day, we just all know from Dust we came, to dust we go. We need God. We need Jesus. Doesn't matter how much money we make this year, we need Jesus. Doesn't matter what things we go through health-wise, we need Jesus. And it's our prayer life that is the evidence that we're relying and trusting on God with our whole hearts. Dens are guaranteed, let me tell you that. But your prayer life needs to stay consistent and persistent in trusting in God. What about Elijah? I love the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 18. And I love this one because this is probably one I'm most passionate about is where it hadn't rained and uh, there'd been the drought. But God had said that the rain was coming. And what happened was Elijah had the word from God and it says in verse 41 on the screen there, then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink. For I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went uh, to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed the top of Mount Carmel. Notice this, he knew God had promised rain, but he still had to pray. And he bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. See, it's like, to me, it's a little bit like a two keys that unlock a safety deposit box. It's like we need, we need to put our key in, we need to put our prayer in faith in to unlock it. And Elijah, even though he knew it was going to rain, he still prayed. And the Bible says what he did was he had his servant and he said, now, I want, I've prayed, I want you to go and check for rain. So his servant, which was into marathon running, ran, it says, and he went and he checked and he looked and he could see nothing, just blue skies. So he goes back and tells Elijah, Elijah, uh, now there's, there's nothing on the horizon. I've checked uh, bomb, I've checked the forecast, I've got the weather app, nothing. 
And Elijah prays again, sends him back. He was really fit this servant. He's his fittest servant. He runs back and he checks again. He does this seven times. He checks every time Elisha keeps praying. Why did he keep praying? Because it was promised from the word of God that this was what God was going to do. And when you are praying in line with the word of God, you will always persist to the will of God. It really will. You'd never give up if you believe you've heard a word from God and you want to pray in line with that. I don't care who tells me any different. If I've heard from God, I will not give up. Your doubts won't make me doubt it because I've heard from God. Elijah heard seven times in the Bible, seven, the number of perfection, the number of completion, the number of God. Don't give up. Just keep on praying. Keep on persisting. Keep on believing. Trusting God. God's not playing games with him. He's just continuing in that place of reliance and the seventh time. The guy, the runner, servant comes back. He says, oh, I see a cloud as small as a man's hand. And he's like, let's go. And boom. And the rain came. We want to see the rain of God's presence. We want to see the rain of God's provision. We want to see the rain of God's promises. And God is looking for us to be in a posture of reliance and prayer and trust in him. Amen. He's going to bring the rain. Amen. I'm believing for spiritual rain in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our communities, in this church. So let's pray in faith and believe, hey, God has got good things in store for Kalamunda Church of Christ. God's got amazing plans for us. Why? Because he's God. He's got plans for a hope and a future. He's got desires that all would come to know Jesus, that none would perish. If you're here this morning, God's heart is for you to be saved in a right relationship with God, forgiven of all your sin, clean and washed, brand new. And I can tell you, we can pray for that for every person because it is God's will that none would be perished. None would perish. What about the the Christians in Acts chapter 2? And I've got my last slide there. If the team want to come back up, I'm going to close shortly. It says that they were in a 10-day prayer meeting after Jesus had gone and instructed them, to, instructed them to go and pray. And they just wait and prayed persistently. Well, what if they had said, oh, well, it's been a day or two. The Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. We haven't, you know, but they persisted in prayer. They persisted in consistent prayer. They had hearts that wouldn't give up. And we know the story, they're all together in one place, in one accord, and God has a birthday for the church and pours out his spirit. We need to persist. I know for me to be effective, I need to pray. Sometimes just to be effective with minutes, we need to have prayed for years. And again, prayer isn't on your knees at one time, it's, it's everything. Those times are important. I'm challenged as in my role to be more like that, to be more at God's feet. But we all need that. It's not for the pastors. It's not for the spiritual elite. It's for, it's for you. It's for sons and daughters of God that are at his feet. Jesus made a statement and he said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Who knows that you are his house. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in you and it is a place of communion. When he said, my house will be a house of prayer, it's a place of communion communion with God, with us, communication. That's what we're all about. That's what the house of God is all about. That we're not, It's not a religious legalism thing. It is about moments and time with God. I'm going to finish with this story, but um, I can't remember the, the guy's name and it just come to me. Um, I was either some famous evangelist anyway, whether it was John Wesley or D.L. Moody, one of them, and they had an appointment to meet with the Queen. 
And the story goes that the appointment was at like uh, one o'clock or something. And uh, he goes to meet with the queen and he had this appointment and he sits down and they said, look, the queen will be out to meet with you soon, sir, and wants to come and talk to you about the amazing things God's been doing through your ministry. So he waits, he waits 15 minutes. She's not there, waits half an hour, she's not there. The story goes that she got there like so late and um, he has a, had a normal prayer time with God at like two o'clock. So the queen comes out at like quarter to two sits down and says, oh, I'd love to have some coffee, uh, some tea and coffee, not coffee, some tea and some scones and with you. And they started talking and he said, your majesty, I haven't got long. I'm really sorry, but I've got an appointment with my king that I will not miss. And he walked out <laughs> and left a very short, now I'm not saying that's how we should live our life with that kind of legalism, but do you see how much it meant to him? Do you see how much spending time with God was a passion and a priority that I need to spend time with God? Like Jesus would go away early in the morning and they couldn't find him. He's gone again. Why? Because he's spending time with God. It was the first thing he did was to pray. Prayer is our war room weapon. So I just want to leave us with this couple of closing thoughts is that God is calling you, calling us to war room prayer. Again, it's not that we fight the fight, he fights for us. But we need to stay in a posture of prayer. Maybe there's things going on in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace. And you've tried so much, so many things to see a Uh, something resolved to get a solution maybe it's with habits that you've got and you just tried so many things what if it was a prayer thing what if it came back to trusting in God again and actually getting on your knees before him and casting your care upon him I used to have a significant problem many problems but a significant one with not sleeping well and I've decided that when God wait when when I get woken up in the middle of the night and I've been through insomnia and stuff like that before when I went through uh, my burnout when he does that, I'm just going to, when I wake up, instead of going into panic or anxiety, I'm going to pray. And I would start to just plead the blood of Jesus. I'd start with Sky, my kids, my three kids, and I'd just pray. And I'd spend that time praying. Before I knew it, I was back asleep. And the devil doesn't wake me, doesn't want to wake me up anymore because I'm getting so much prayer done, making such a difference in my prayer life. It's like, well, stop doing that. What if you started to turn it back on him and said, how can I trust God? in this time. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray a blessing over us.